0: You're listening to The Sigron Show, episode number 374. In this episode, I talk to Susie Moore about how to be productive during this crisis. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigron, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews, to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, uplevel your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today, I speak with Susie Moore. She is a life coach and advice columnist who teaches her clients how to gain confidence. Her work has been featured on the Today Show, Oprah.com, and Forbes. Susie's insights have been shared by thought leaders, including Arianna Huffington and Paolo Coelho. Today, we speak about what we should be doing to be productive during this crisis, and Susie's latest book, Stop Checking Your Likes. Before we dive in, let me tell you about our live bootcamp, Create Your Recession Proof Offer in 48 Hours. During our last bootcamp, hundreds of entrepreneurs, both offline and online, created a new offer for their business in less than two days. We have since then received amazing feedback and messages and emails asking if we would do it again. And the answer is yes. The Next live Bootcamp will take place May 2nd and 3rd, Saturday and Sunday. You will walk away with a solid offer that your clients actually want to buy during these challenging times and you can start to sell it right away after those 48 hours. Go to the show notes at signalcom forward slash 374 where you can find a link to sign up for the live bootcamp, create your recession-proof offer in 48 hours. We do require a small fee, but that's only to ensure that you actually do the work. And in the show notes, you'll also find all the links you need to Susie Moore and her latest book, Stop checking your likes. I am so excited to be here with Susie Moore and talk about her latest book, Plus, what should we be doing to be productive or not productive during this crisis? Welcome on the show, Susie.
1: Thank you, Sigurd. I'm so delighted to be here with you.
0: Well, I am very excited. I have seen that you are basically all over the place right now, of course, because your book is coming out. So we're going to talk about that. But I was saying just before I hit the record button that I just caught a video that you did for money. Can you tell me how that came about?
1: Yes. Uh, So I use the media a lot to grow my business. I think it's a wonderful tool that's available to everybody All business owners who have a message to share. And right now, of course, we're in a crisis and media consumption is at an all-time high. You know, we're on our phones, we're watching our televisions more than ever because we're all at home. And I feel as if the, the contribution that I can make right now is around productivity at this time if that's something that feels right for you it doesn't have to you know we're certainly all allowed to take a break and spend this time however it feels right for us but I was kind of responding to some questions I was getting around structure things that you can be doing for a lot of people you know, sick you and I work at home right so we're kind of used to this but for a lot of people they're used to commuting going to an office having a very specific routine and then you know kind of being at home it can be a bit of a shock so yeah I, I, I did share some tips
0: Yeah, so before we dive into the actual uh, topic of this episode, can you share a little bit with my audience your background and how come you do what you do today?
1: Yes, uh, so I grew up in the UK and I had a very dysfunctional family. My dad died of addiction when I was young we moved around a lot we, uh, I grew up on welfare we lived in women's shelters for you know for a period of time and I left home when I was 18, moved to Australia and now live in the US. And I think, you know, by overcoming certain obstacles in my life, interpreting hardships and looking at the life that I've lived so far as a gift and a really great training for resilience and being able to kind of really handle whatever comes up next in life, which is always uncertain. I wanted to share a lot of the kind of tips, tools, techniques, methods that I use that kind of get me through any difficult period and that give me confidence and a sense of steadiness no matter what's kind of going on in the world.
0: Mm. I often feel that people who have gone through some challenging time in childhood, that becomes a fuel for success as a grown-up. I agree with you. Yeah. And it's interesting how it's almost like you want to have the opposite experience as a grown-up, whether you have children or not.
1: Hmm. Yes. Well, no one wants to suffer, right? It's not. We're like, oh yeah, world. What can you throw at me this week, <laughs> right? Or and I mean, no one wants to go through these difficult life experiences, which many of us do. You know, I was divorced in my twenties. Um, I've been fired. I mean, all these things, these kind of challenging grown up experiences, they happen to us. I guess what I've really learned is that if you can create just you know a self assured place within you. That isn't always shakable, right? Where you, can have your, where you can find your own steadiness. That it doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to you. They still will, right? There'll always be pain. There'll always be effort on our part. And um, there's always going to be uncertainty. But it just means that when they do, you're going to be better prepared. And you can keep them in perspective. And you see the bigger picture of your life versus like just the current present turmoil that you might find yourself in.
0: Mm. So where did that lead you in uh, terms of a career Yeah, so uh,
1: I I believe too that it fuels you, if your your childhood, if you've had some hardships, and so I started my career like properly in New York, working in advertising technology. I really enjoyed it. I was making, you know, really great income. I've written about this in places like Business Insider and Forbes. And around age thirty, I wanted to work for myself. I knew that the work I was doing was fine, and it was, you know, certainly fun, and there were a lot of benefits, but it didn't feel like my life's work. And so I started side hustling as a coach. I started contributing to, you know, places like Marie Claire, Mind Body Green, eventually Oprah Magazine, just sharing life advice and tips, thinking that if I put my content out there, then the right people will find me. I wanted it to be easy. <laughs> I, I feel like we struggle a lot and we stress out a lot and we hustle and we sweat. And that's, I mean, I love hard work. I love working, but I believe that it's meant to be easier than we think. And I don't think that we have to, you know, sweat it out as hard as we do to get the results that we want.
0: So how come you were able to get into media? Did you crack some code or did you just realize this is open for anyone who just puts themselves out there?
1: It is open for everybody. I always say the difference between people who get media and people who don't are people who are pitching actively and people who aren't. It's the only difference. You don't need any qualifications. You don't need to be famous. You don't need a big Instagram following. Those things can all you know, help. They, they work for certain people. But I started without anything, without a website. I only had a Twitter page and, or Twitter account. And uh, I've just kept going from there. And I'm also really open about the fact I have no qualification, Sigrun. I feel it's very important for me to repeat this again and again and again, because people often think they need to wait until they have some type of qualification, a credential. And that's not to discount credentials. Like they're amazing if you have them. But if you don't have them, it's also okay because the most important thing is your message and the value you can give to a reader or a viewer. That's it. And as a human being, if you've you've got a lesson that you can share, a story, an experience, something that just comforts, connects, entertains, whatever it may be, that's enough.
0: And we don't need to overthink it. So what was the idea then behind the book?
1: Yeah, so it's my second book and my first book was around side hustling because people asked me how I left my career and started my business successfully, where I was able to go all in on it. But I think of this book, it's much deeper. I tell a lot more, you know, many more personal stories and I think that I just wanted to make available the fact that if, you're, if you've gone through or you're going to go through any of these experiences, that it's okay. And the fact that reality largely is an interpretation and the most powerful thing that we have control of is you know, having a self-directed mind and knowing that our perspective and how we interpret life events is very, very powerful. And no one can shape that really apart from us. So I think the the life experiences I've had, the lessons that I've learned, you know, I've learned a few tricks on how to live your life so you can have joy and ease and fun and success. And I felt it was my obligation to share these things. After being a columnist for so many years to creating content, it's different when you write articles, you're limited to a certain word count. And I wanted to go kind of deeper and put a lot more information out there.
0: So you you talked about likes. You know, do you feel that people are wondering all the time what other people think?
1: Yes, yes, I do. And look, this is varying degrees. Some people care a little, some people care a lot. And yeah, the book is called Stop Checking Your Likes," but it's not a social media book. I mean, it's a fun title, right? But it's because likes have become this very modern measurement, right? Very public, twenty-four-seven measurement of how well we're doing. If we give it a lot of attention and if we give it all the power, and you know, when it comes to you know success and kind of going for it with anything. And it takes courage to go for it, right? In whatever area, growing a bit, starting a business, growing a business, getting media, collaborating, communicating, you know, managing conflict, whatever it is. What I've come to realize is that it's not the new things or the mistakes or the failures that scare us as human beings. I think we do know that we can bounce back from really anything. If you look at you it know, throughout history where humans survive, it's amazing. You know, we're very strong. But what I realized was that it's not the the thing itself that scares us, you know, the the failure that's daunting. It's often what we think other people are going to say or think about our failures. That's what scares us. It's like, oh my gosh, what's my mum going to think? What's my friend going to think? What's my competitor going to think? That's what really stops us going for it in a lot of cases, the fear of judgment.
0: How come you have so much confidence? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, I welcome my confidence. I give myself permission to be confident. It's a decision that you make. No one can make it for you. And I feel as if, you know, with my short lifetime, to be anything else wouldn't be sane, frankly, and it wouldn't be generous, right? I think sometimes we get, you know, shyness or, you know, being understated and not going for it. Like we think, oh, yeah, see, look, we don't have an ego. We don't have to be seen. We don't have to be heard. But in most cases, and I wrote about this for Open Magazine, what we think is, you know, kind of holding back and not making it about us is actually our ego because we don't want to be criticized. We don't want to put ourselves on the line for anyone to reject us or for us to be embarrassed or to make a mistake. And so it's really living a small life. And when you're confident, not only are you a good role model for others, right? Because we learn through, through examples, through seeing other confident women but it's also it's generous because I feel like you know confidence brings success, success is generous, and it's it's the only way I think the only way I certainly want to live my life because like what's the alternative
0: yeah, what's the alternative? You wouldn't put yourself forward to media all the time without some confidence
1: exactly, and I also feel that putting your stories and advice out there is generous, and if you've learned something in your life, maybe you've moved country, maybe you've um, successfully gone through a fertility treatment like started a business like whatever it is whatever it is that you've learned I feel like any human beings can do whatever we want we have complete freedom but if you feel like there's any tug to want to share that then it's your obligation to because we need people who've done the things that we want to do we need to see people who have lived through what it is we're living through and it's funny I say this a lot when it comes to the media there is always a place for traditional experts right so largely, you know, doctors, legal advisors, financial advisors, but the human story is very, very important, right? So for example, if there's a woman who has gone through a miscarriage, right, you need a doctor for that, who will kind of tell you the next steps, what to expect with your body, timing to be aware of if you want, you know, if you want to try getting pregnant again, for example. But a woman also wants to hear from another woman who's gone through that, right? And you, if you can be that woman, With whatever life experience you have, whatever it is you have to give, then that's a, again, I I keep using this word generous, but that's a very generous place to be. And that's how I interpret putting myself out there or anybody else putting themselves out there, which I really encourage. It's like, if you know something, don't hold it in. Like, let us learn. Let us, you know, let us learn from you. Can you shorten our learning curve? Can you help us heal? What is it that you can like give? And I feel like it's a very giving place to be.
0: So coming to productivity, or let's say no productivity in times of a crisis, you have several tips of how we could use this time that suddenly it feels like the world has stopped and paused. For some, we are more busy than ever. Others are finding themselves with children and yes, they're super busy too. But overall, it feels like there is a certain reset happening.
1: Yes. And it's funny, right? Because even a month ago, something like this would have seemed unthinkable. What we're experiencing right now, like can't go outside, everything's shut. Like I mean, I live in Miami. It's a very busy place. It's a very strange time. It's quite a fascinating time to even be an observer right now. But yes, it's I feel as if it's different for everybody. Some of us want to um, really have a break right now, right? We need it, especially if we're feeling overworked and exhausted. It's a time to have this kind of force regroup, reset. And then there are, you know, a lot of us who have a lot of energy and we want to, we, we're used to being busy and we want to make the most of this time of self-quarantine so that when it comes to an end and it will, you know, we'll feel satisfied and excited to move forward having used this time well or invested it in something that we'll be happy about later. So there's no right or wrong way to experience this period. So I'd always say like, give yourself a break, listen to what your body needs, listen to what your mind needs. But if you kind of want to use this time well, there are certainly some things that you can be doing.
0: So what type of things would that be?
1: First of all, I would remember that everything out there, and this isn't just during this crisis, everything going on out there in the world is not under our control right? We have, com- we have so much control and power over what we do with our time, our mind, our focus, even within our small space. So I can't control out there, but my apartment, I'm in complete control over what happens in here. And that already makes me feel powerful, makes me feel like I have options and puts me in a strong feeling place, not a panicked place. So I would think, you know, what is it maybe that you've never had time to do, right? We hear this all the time. Oh, I'll get to that when I have time. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. So a lot of us do have this gift of time. Now we're not commuting. We're not, you know, going to an office, which does take up a you know, fixed amount of hours per day. So I think, you know, what is it? Is it reading? Is it writing? Is it working on some home projects? I'm working on batching some YouTube content, which is always delayed, right? Because I'm, having a good time or you know enjoying i typically going out more than kind of you know sitting at home with a camera so I'm pricing six months of YouTube content during this period updating my site those kind of terribly unsexy important but not urgent tasks that you know most of us never get around to it makes you feel like gosh I have something to do I'm busy and you know busy minds aren't depressed often right? It's when we have something to do, something to chew on, something to like to be contributing and active doing. That's when we're in a, our energy is different. Like our vibration is different. It's lighter. You can also really, I mean, this can be a great time to make some deep connections with people ironically, right? Because often when do you have an hour to speak to a friend, right? Or an hour to speak to somebody in your family. And I have to say, I think we're very blessed, right? All the screens that we have, the free technology we have access to, it's a wonderful time too, to invest in like some quantity time with people. So reaching out, checking in with others, seeing how they're doing, being generous, right? So being kind, being responsible. And then I think too, like also having a vision for what, I know there's no exact timetable right now, but there'll be a point this year, right? Where we'll have our freedoms again. And then planning, right? Thinking, what is it like, what is it that you can do in light of this experience that might be actually more useful for the people who need you. Like maybe it's also a great chance, like you said, to reset and to rethink what it is that you could be offering and how you can be serving. It's a great time for some introspection.
0: I read from someone that this would be something like if we would write a letter to ourselves or or almost like create a vision exercise of all the things that we did or did not do, but make a plan for it. Because it feels like if we just you know, oh, I hope it's gone next week, like then you will not have done anything. So I do like that point of make a plan for it, do something productive or not productive. You know, for me, it's productive could be just reading a book the whole time. That's still productive.
1: I agree. And again, like there are so many, we have so many options. We don't feel like we do, right? The problem is we give our power away. We're like, oh, I can't meet up with my friend. I can't go to this class. I can't, you know, be part of this group. You know, it just, you know, typically whatever in person, there are so many other things that you can be doing. And I love to observe even just the way that different people are organizing different events right now online for other people, giving advice, coming together. A benefit of a time like this is, you know, we do, we're do we drawn together, right? Human beings want to help. I think it's really wonderful to observe that and to remember that we're here for each other, right? The sense of community.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of virtual summits, uh, webinars, masterclasses, and all these musicians and artists doing live, uh, you know, performances.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like, wow, all the things that we could take advantage of right now. And so much of this is free, right? So there are also online courses that you can take, which are fantastic because there are so many skills you can be learning. But, you know, some of them too, they're free, they're available now. And because, you know, the, you know what's happening, it's really going to send shockwaves to the job market for a long time. It's a really great time to skill up and take advantage of the information out there.
0: That was actually that happened in the last uh, crisis, the bank crash, uh, financial crisis, that a lot of people went back to uh, college or university to get a degree. But I think degrees today are probably overrated. I agree. (laughs) So I think just taking a regular online course uh, helps people uh, get some skills or finish something that you bought and never did before
1: what if you purchase and never logged into be honest now we've all done it right like at least one course so why not like dig out your login information and check it out right you've got the time and maybe you've had your eye on a course for a while like you've seen it you're like hmm, i don't know do i have the time to commit to it right now well it could be just a great opportunity to to grab it to dive in to learn some skills and have some quick wins right so when it comes to the media it's not like you have to go through a six month period of building a blog and getting all the, the basics set up you can just have an idea make a connection send your idea and it can be live like within even a day or two so I think this is a great place to focus your energy realize that you're powerful and yeah and and use your day like your 24 hours in a day in a way that just makes sense for you in a, in a way that'll make you feel good
0: I guess the media is looking for some positive stories right now with all this negativity going on
1: Oh yes, and especially first person stories. Like we love to hear around. I just read a story about what it's like to be a sober person in recovery right now, right? Because all the people are, you know, at home. I guess drinking, and another person was saying what it's like to be go, to go through a fertility treatment right now because everything's on pause. Which and it's quite uh, it can be quite a long process the I B F process right I was also reading about you know homeschooling advice for moms from you know different homeschoolers there are so many like angles and stories like what is it that you know what is it that you can share and if there is something that you can offer specifically right now maybe it's around stress breath work. I've noticed a lot of um, teachers who teach in studios are streaming live classes so yeah there's there's a lot that we can be like contributing offering it so long as it soothes other people connects us or entertains us that's all all
0: we need but you talk about also writing down to ensure that you actually kind of get the most out of the day what advice can you give there
1: I think it's a great thing. And to keep it really simple, right? I think as humans, Sigrid, we overcomplicate almost everything. If we can complicate something, we'll find a way to do it, (laughs) right? It's like, great, this is easy. How can we make it really hard? (laughs) A simple trick that I love to do is just think about like three priorities. And it can even just be one. But if you think three priorities, the night before, that you can write down for the next day. So you would like to, you know, update your course, email five people about X or Y, and then uh, reach out to, you know, five podcasters to be interviewed. For example, you you have a clear sense of accomplishment in you know, it is you'd like to achieve. It's very measurable. You can, I mean, there are amazing planners available and so forth too. But if you don't even have that, it can be as simple as like jotting down your idea like the three or three ideas and then just checking it, like checking it and measuring like throughout the day how well you've done. And it's amazing how these small actions, they don't feel dramatic at the time. They feel like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm getting through some stuff. But, you know, over a few days, then a few weeks, even the months, you realize that you've done a lot and then you realize like your your business is growing, right? Or people are reaching out to you and good things are flowing to you because you've you've directed your energy and invested your energy in a useful way. And it's a wonderful payoff.
0: What if the task sounds so big that you cannot just jot it down in one line?
1: Yes, I have a couple of tips for this. So often, if it's uh, around creating something, often it's around kind of creating something, right? So I would think when it comes to, to having a big task, knowing that every every big task is just a series of small tasks, right? Nothing happens just with one step or one action. So understanding what's mo- what's most essential right? So thinking, you know, what is essential here? How can I make this as easy as possible? And not to deal necessarily with the hardest thing fast, where you'll just start for 15 minutes and then you'll be like making a cup of tea and then putting on the tail, you know, because it's just too much. So I'd start with what's what's maybe easy and even fun, get rolling and not put too much pressure on yourself to complete anything within an unrealistic deadline. Give yourself a long period to create something understanding what's essential what's easy to get rolling and just being clear always of like the next step and one extra tip that you could implement is when you write your to-do list if you have more than three things specifically to, instead of just saying website or um cara right if you need to reach out to your friend cara you can say update website by 3 p.m right so using like a verb or call cara Call Clara at lunchtime. So giving some like small specificities and even just, instead of just saying like website Clara, you know what it means, but our brains kind of just respond, right? Instead of seeing the word call or update, we interpret it in images, like actually making a call, actually updating. So to to not be like too stingy with even some basic descriptions for your tasks.
0: What about this uh, thing that we constantly overestimate what we can get done in a, let's say a day or a week, but then we still underestimate what we can do in a month or a year.
1: Yes. I think the issue is like the overestimation, the underestimation, the issue is, you know, our expectations, right? We're only ever really unsatisfied when our expectations aren't matching reality, right? When we're we're hard on ourselves, when that's true. And what if your expectations were just for an awesome completion of a task within a reasonable time frame where you keep some flexibility, right? Say, this is my intention. If something takes longer, it's okay. If something takes less time, also okay. The most important thing is like the task itself, like the project itself. And not being, I mean, gosh, we love to be hard on ourselves, don't we? I mean, who needs enemies? <laughs> like, who needs a critic? We do a great job of that. We take a great job of taking care of that in our own minds. So I think, you know, if you could just be a little easier on yourself, everybody, if we could be a little bit easier on ourselves, knowing we have goals, knowing we have a general timeline. And if it's not perfect, that's okay. Rarely it is. But just kind of knowing, so as long as there's forward motion, and if you need a break, take it. As long as there's forward motion, even if it's slow, that's good enough. That's going to be good enough in most cases.
0: So coming back to your book, you felt you needed to uh, write it in a book instead of a column because you had something to share on a deeper level. What do you mean on a deeper level?
1: I think that sometimes to really understand a concept or to really allow something in, it can't happen over like a four-minute read when you're on the subway, right? Books kind of allow you to really kind of get into the mindset of the writer, to hear stories in succession that make sense, that build on each other, which are really there to kind of unlock something within you, right? And that takes a little bit longer. It takes, you know, more words, more stories, and frankly, more courage and vulnerability from the writer too, because we learn through through others' experiences. Even if the experiences don't match, we understand pain, we understand embarrassment, we understand rejection, right? We understand suffering. So sharing your stories, taking the time to do it, giving some kind of, you know, specific advice that could be relevant, right? Not being prescriptive, but just sharing what, what, what has been useful or some different ways to interpret events that seem like, seem like they're too much to handle. I feel as if, you know, creating something in book form, which takes you know, the reader on a journey, a fun journey too, even when it's talking about hard things, like keeping it fun, too and keeping it light and understanding that you know we don't have to take our lives so seriously and we can also just lighten up kind of no matter the situation we find ourselves in our attitude is something that we have complete control over Um, that's kind of what I've infused in this book and I've written articles about this you know uh, I wrote a piece uh, a while back saying you know I've read 500 self-help books here are the five lessons like, so I'm saving you reading 500 books, (laughs) Um, but I've distilled some of the lessons I've learned from some of the great authors that I've read and applied my own stories, my own life, and also my own take. I've kind of distilled the best stories, lessons, truths, and also kind of modernized them because so many of the texts that I've read too, or books I've read, they're very old. So bringing them too into like the present moment and relevance now.
0: So Susie, we're going to link your book, of course, in the show notes, but what is the best way for someone to follow you or find you online if they want to know more?
1: You can uh, head to my site and sign up for my free confidence tips, which I release every few days. I'm Susie, S-U-S-I-E dash more, M-O-O-R-E dot com. And on Instagram, I'm at Susie dot more.
0: Okay. We'll link that up in the show notes for everybody to check out. And congratulations on your new book, Susie. I'm super excited. I like the cover because it's red. Yeah, it's red like you. Gorgeous and red with those headphones that's that sweater. Yeah. See, I'm all into color. If a book has a red cover, I have to get it. So, uh, Susie, it's been a pleasure to talk to you and best of luck with the launch of your book.
1: Thank you so much. This was delightful. Come you.
0: Go to the show notes at signum.com forward slash 374, where you can find a link to sign up for the live bootcamp, create your recession-proof offer in 48 hours. We do require a small fee, but only to ensure that you actually make the work. In the show notes, you'll also find all the links you need to Susie Moore and to her latest book, Stop Checking Your Likes. Thank you for listening to The Signum Show. Did you enjoy this episode? Please let me know that you listen by tagging me in your Insta story, Instagram post, or on Facebook. I would love to know. Plus, if you haven't left a review already on Apple podcast, I would so appreciate if you did that too, so other listeners like yourself can find this podcast. See you in the next episode.